0: Hello.
1: Hello. Besties. It's me, Heather, with my Uncle Ron. Say hello, Uncle Ron. We <laughs> are gonna be it's okay. It's okay. It out.
0: <laughs> okay. So what should I do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just say hello.
0: Okay, all right. Go ahead.
1: And my Uncle Ron, say hello. Hello, hello. And we are going to be reviewing Nightmare Alley for you guys. It is a great film. We've got a lot to say about it. So grab your beverage, grab your meds if you haven't taken them, get yourself a snack if you haven't eaten yet, and come join me and this amazing fella and hop on into this episode of Hard to Handle. See you soon, guys. Bye. <laughs> Welcome to another mini-sode where we're going to review a movie this time. We are going to review Oscar nominee Nightmare Alley, and I have my Uncle Ron on the podcast. Say hello, Uncle Ron. Hello, hello. (laughs) And we're going to talk all things Nightmare Alley Just like we always do, we have things that we loved, things that we hated, and then our overall score, we will let you guys know what we came to and if it is worth watching or not. So, Uncle Ron, tell us a little bit about what you do and your love of film and literature.
0: I'm an English teacher. I teach in Los Angeles. Um, I'm a big, big lover of film, big lover of all the arts. movies tv books just love it all and my background is in playwriting my masters and yeah love going to movies love critiquing them
1: yes this is right up your alley it's going to be your little version of rotten tomatoes (laughs) (laughs) perfect (laughs) perfect okay so the quick plot of the movie it's basically Bradley Cooper doing an amazing job. No, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. Um, but it's about a grifter who kind of just works his way up from like the bottom of the bottom carnival style job, and he ends up meeting like with this great psychologist who's Kate Blanchett, and then a psychic medium. You know, kind of gets him his little platform so he can start doing all the things mm-hmm. that happen in this crazy amazing noir type film um so yeah he's just kind of going through the ropes of working his way up in the ranks venturing out on his own um but yeah so that's pretty much the gist of the movie it is pretty lengthy but to me I didn't mind it because I love these like type of films and it's Guillermo del Toro I mean come on now (laughs) (laughs) Um, who do you, let's go over some of your high points. What did you love about the film?
0: There are a lot of high points to the film. I love the way it was shot. First of all, from that opening shot, the lighting, it was just great. There's just nice shots throughout the whole movie. There's a carousel scene, which is just lovely how it's shot. There's a little dancer, a little romantic moment. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just an amazing cast. I mean, you can't just beat that cast up and down it starts with bradley cooper but everybody is just incredible in that film so yeah he gets an amazing cast and there's a love for the carnival there that in shot after shot that i liked and it's clear this was a project of love and also yeah, another a little labor of love yeah and also another little thing that i liked, and i have to re-watch the film for it It seemed like in the really dramatic scenes, I expected there to be this big musical soundtrack and there wasn't. And I liked it because I didn't feel manipulated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes with like the big theatrics of like the huge soundtrack, I feel like sometimes it's. Forcing you to fill what they're trying to convey. And in this, it's not. So a lot of the great, great scenes, they're very silent, you know? Mm-hmm. There is dialogue to the movie, but it's not overdone with dialogue or, you know, musical breaks and stuff like that, which I liked too. Agreed. Um, so the cast, obviously, we said Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, love her, love her. She was yeah, perfect. she
0: was really good in. Um... What was it again? Um, tattoo drag the dragon tattoo.
1: Yes, and it's a very different character for her. Yeah. So that's what we're used mm-hmm. to. That's what she was famous for, you know. Kate yeah. Lynch had obviously Ron Perlman, Tony Collette. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they just it was an all star cast. Yeah. So, and I think Bradley Cooper also was part of production. So obviously mm-hmm. Guillermo, Bradley Cooper, and then I think Miles Dale. I have jotted down.
0: Mhm. Guillermo del Toro actually did um did you see Whiplash? Yes Great film. Really I liked
1: loved it. <laughs> have you seen Pinocchio, the new one?
0: I have not.
1: It's and another Guillermo del Toro on Netflix. You guys got to watch it. It's amazing.
0: I'll give it a shot just so you know I'm a Rotten Tomatoes person and Rotten Tomatoes wasn't digging it. But I'll try. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> And speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, they gave Nightmare Alley an 81% on the tomato meter. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are like us and you trust good old Rotten Tomatoes, that should tell you a little something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I also really loved the time period and the setting. Like you were talking about the way it was filmed. It was just very beautiful from like the Art Deco pieces, the jeweled tone, um, like wardrobe and hats and all of that stuff. It just really sucks you in because it's visually such a stunning film.
0: Yeah, everything. Yeah. In fact, even the trailers for Circus Hacks were incredible, even though they're poor circus people. They seem to have these like incredible places they live in.
2: (laughs)
1: <laughs> right mm-hmm. yeah and even i think it's kind of like in the middle of the film where like the scene with the bathtub that mm-hmm. to me i was like that's true like baths for people like back in that time frame mm-hmm. in bath houses and like being able to take a bath and get that in when you're working in the carnival is mm-hmm. something that was considered luxurious so i like how they incorporated him when he you know went into the bathtub and all of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that was interesting to me. And I, I like Tony Collette a lot. I was glad that for a second I was like, okay, here comes a sex scene that, you know, I just didn't yeah. turn it off or something. But it only lasted a few seconds and then we went through. And it was like that throughout the movie for the few scenes.
1: Yeah. And then... Obviously the ending, it mm-hmm. this the whole movie just takes you on so many twists and turns and there's a lot of symbolism. Um, a lot of people when you look at reviews for this movie, we're talking about like the baby in the jar from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. The first time you see it, and then the last mm-hmm. time. What was your interpretation of the baby in the jar? The baby? Yeah. It the was baby, like a fetus or baby, whatever you want to call it, but
0: I wasn't I didn't. I couldn't get that one. I like. There were a lot of other motifs that I thought were interesting. The chickens throughout kind of gave us some clues, which my wife pointed out. The red dress and then the red blood was interesting. Yeah. The the geek. There were just a lot of like nice little touches going through there, kind of giving us clues, and so he does a good job of that that he doesn't leave us hanging and there's lots to work on, lots to think about.
1: Yeah. And whenever you think you have something figured out, then there's like another layer that's added mm-hmm. to that character or the story of that person or people or whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's one of those hustler gets without giving too much information, who are the hustlers and who are the hustled movies And it reminded me a lot of... I don't know if you've ever seen a film called House of Games. Yes. Reminded me a lot of that.
1: Yeah, and I really like, too, that... you see all the different struggles that, like, the main characters are going through and just how they play out, too. Like, for example, alcoholism and, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that he started out one way trying to avoid something only to end up doing the thing that you were hoping he wouldn't end up doing. Mm-hmm. There might be some spoilers, which I'll put that i put that in the show notes, but there's just a lot of things like that where you can they convey the struggle without having to use a ton of dialogue or theatrical right. music, and I really liked it. You know, like when he meets um, Kate Blanchett for the first time, and he's in her office and she mm-hmm. offers him a drink and he says no, and then The next time he has a drink so it's just like i don't know little things like that little subtleties are what i love in movie especially a film like this and it just kept me wanting more
0: (laughs) yeah and you know it paid off actually i think they started even earlier with the thing about him not drinking and i like it that they planted it there and little by little there was a payoff with it that it was about something with the drinking and there's like another layer to think about so I like that. And you were saying something else now I'm trying to think about. Let's see. The alcohol. But the alcohol was really interesting to me. And, yeah, there were just so many layers to it. I agree.
1: And what about the second half of the movie? Because this, the beginning is very slow. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the scenes like you were talking about, the dramatic scenes, they did move slower. It's not like a huge action-packed film. Like if you're wanting one of those, this isn't the film for it. But I think the second half made the film and it was mm-hmm. worthwhile. What do you think?
0: Right. I agree. And that was actually my problem with the film. The first half was pretty slow to me. I, I liked it. It was interesting, but you know, it was char- it was developing. It was all this exposition developing what's gonna happen little by little. And, you know, it's interesting that I saw online that they actually filmed that second half separately before the pandemic, and then they just stopped shooting, and they came back to that other first half. And it, it's interesting to me because it seems like two separate movies, very separate. Yeah. You have this whole circus thing, which is interesting, interesting. It's all interesting, but you're like, okay, when is it going to go somewhere? And then you have this second part. I think, was it in Vegas where...
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, yeah, in Vegas, where there's a real plot line. So you have this ingenue comes in, he's doing his act, and suddenly he gets in over his head, and he literally has the struggle for... He's taking on a job that either he's pretty much going to die or he's going to get rich. And so there you go. There's a straight plot, and I wish... The whole movie could have been about that.
1: Yeah. I think they would have, if they would have introduced that a little bit earlier, it mm-hmm. would help for the beginning to not feel like it was going so slow and moving at a snail's pace. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Although, the one thing I found, well, there was a lot I liked with the beginning. I, I like, but yeah, but it wasn't keeping me totally engaged. But the opening was really interesting to me without giving it away that it was like, okay, where am I going with this? There's a body they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And talking about character, that's what I was thinking about. You mentioned something about there's not a lot of dialogue all the time in the movie. And I found it interesting that I like that he didn't talk for about the first 10 minutes of the film. Yeah. At least it seemed like that. I was thinking, maybe this guy's mute. What's going on here that yeah, that's what he's ben not saying he's a like, word? Is
1: he, like, a mute? Or what? what's going on? And I was like, but, maybe it's shock. Because this is kind of a crazy scene to open to.
0: Right. Right. And actually, it reminded me of a lot of kind of the old John Ford Westerns where you have this character where the men are very powerful and the power is shown through them not speaking. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of gave me that vibe that. it, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree. I, when I was looking at rotten tomatoes about if I wanted to watch it or not, one of the review comments that I screenshotted was by someone called Leonardo Garcia Sal. I probably butchered the name, but I apologize. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to read because it's perfect. It's how I feel. The best one that sums up the movie. And it says here, The monsters are human. The supernatural is a fraud. And in the end, we make our own hell. It's too dark for the complacent current standards of Hollywood. And I'm sure that Nightmare Alley won't win as many awards as The Shape of Water. However, the movie is visually stunning. And if you hang out until the end, it will be worth it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's so perfect. That's exactly a great description of the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I had some other issues with the movie.
2: Yeah. um, What what did you think?
0: Well, first, it was the characterization. I thought the Bradley Cooper character was the most interesting, but that's our protagonist. Right. It was the other characters. Everyone seemed like kind of a stock character that they kind of fit the archetype of whatever. We had, you know, the tough guy at the circus who runs the place and doesn't want anything – We have him meet later, the femme fatale. And she's almost, it's almost like she's, it looks, if you look at her image time after time with her cigarette and everything, it's almost like she's straight out of a comic book, the way she looks all the time. yes. Right, and so I wanted to know more about her. I wish they developed some of the characters a bit more.
1: Yeah, I felt like, in the session that she has with him where she's like diving into him and like psychoanalyzing him. I wish that there would have been a moment where she would have like slipped into her own mind and found something relatable so that you could pull more out of who she is, how she became this femme femme with all these connections and a psychologist. Like I wanted more information about like, where her stop, like, where was her skin in the game, you know, for like mm-hmm. her wanting to go out on this limb and do everything that she did? Like, what was her driving force?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, actually, I thought her driving force was that she was fooled, that he was acting as a mentalist. She thought she could get the best of him. Yeah. And he took her. And he didn't like, she didn't like that. She didn't like that he suddenly had the upper hand. And so I thought that was her whole motive that she had to take revenge on him because of that.
1: Yeah. And, and prove that he's like, nothing. And I feel like that maybe was her MO with men in general, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I felt like, I just wanted to know why that was so, why that was such like a stab in the side for her. Cause I mean, Sure, we've all been fooled or had somebody pull one over or had a bad experience in first meeting someone or maybe a business venture, but mm-hmm. like, like you said, that was her driving force. She couldn't handle that he had gotten one over on her, you know, so yeah. it was, just, it was mm-hmm. kind of like, I just wanted to know more.
0: Yeah. And I do have a question that hopefully doesn't go over the boundaries of giving away too much, but- there's something to do with the money and her holding money. And that seems to be how she gets revenge on him. And I kept thinking, how did she know that she was going to end up holding the money? Right. Because that has to be part of it.
1: Yeah. Like that's what Ben said too. He's like, but at the end of the day, like, how was she so sure that she was going to be the one to hold it? And right. I said, well, I think because she displayed the fact that she had that safe
2: mm-hmm. or
1: whatever because it's been a few weeks since we've watched it but um, where she shows him the safe or she goes to get something out of the safe mm-hmm. she's doing that on purpose to plant that seed in his mind to mm-hmm. work her like you know psychology because she knows that he doesn't have anywhere to keep this kind of money and if she's going to convince right. him to come up with all of these ideas that fit her plan and her scheme so I think she kind of planted that when she first showed him that she had the safe.
0: Oh, okay. That's a good point. I get that.
1: Because Ben was like, well, how did she even know that she was going to end up with all this money anyways? I'm like, didn't she see? She was leaving breadcrumbs when it right. she met. And he was like, so taken aback by her office and, you know, she's beautiful, obviously, and all of these other things. And then she opens the safe to get something out. That was her planting the seed. And he's like, Okay. Okay. I see how that could work. Like, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. And I can see it going there. Yeah. I, I liked actually, what I found the best part of it was that again, giving away a little too much, she finds a way to destroy every part of his life. Yeah. It. You know, every single thing he's worked for that he believes he is. And she definitely shows that, because in the beginning, he's this grifter, and he seems to be saying that I can be somebody else, but by the end, she proves that you don't belong in this world at all. You don't know who you're messing with, and you were never meant to be here.
1: Yeah, that's true, too. And it's kind of like how you said she just, and that's why I was so curious as to why she's so good at destroying people that she feels that way towards you know because it's like Mm -hmm. like you said she didn't just do one thing she invaded every aspect like you know and every important part she had her hands in and had a way to destroy him entirely instead of like Mm -hmm. oh let me just take his money or let me destroy his relationship or whatever
0: right she became the hustler
1: yeah now, did you watch, I guess there was a original movie from like 1940s or the 1950s. Have you ever seen the original Nightmare Alley?
0: I did not. Did you?
1: No, but I did read cliff notes from the books because a lot of people were saying who watched the original were trying to compare them. And I guess one of Guillermo del Toro's things was... Sorry. Sorry, I was trying to put my phone on the charger, and I dropped it on accident. That's okay. Anyways, that's why people love Hard to Handle, because we're real. There you go. Yes, so... You were talking about the Cliff Notes. Yeah, and I read the Cliff Notes, and Guillermo del Toro said, it's not a remake of the original film from the 40s, it's a new adaptation of the book. So a lot of people that are comparing the two, it's like apples and oranges. I'm just taking my version on adapting the book for film in my mind. And so once I read that and then I went back and I reread all the Cliff's notes, now I'm kind of curious. I kind of want to try to find mm-hmm. the original nightmare alley.
0: Yeah. It. I do have some questions based on that. First of all I assume that the original book had a real reason to be called Nightmare Alley because in the movie I could figure out no reason for it.
1: Yeah, that is true too. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out where it came from, but I think because a lot of the things that happen in the book, it it was like referencing or like symbolism of the behind the scenes for the carnival slash circus. Mm -hmm. the nightmare alley i don't know if it's an actual literal place as more as like hey under the big top you see all these great things and it's lovely for you but behind that is nightmare alley that's where the real stuff happens with the workers and stuff that's kind of what i got from reading the okay so i think it's more like metaphorical as opposed to like a a literal alley that like dreadful things happened
0: (laughs) Right, which is strange because the title suggests that it's going to be a horror movie. And that's what I kept thinking.
1: Yeah, that's what I did too. And then Ben's like, oh no, it's probably rated PG-13. So we'll know R. And he's like, oh, well, if it's rated R, I'm in. Because then it's probably as a thriller. And I'm like, it wasn't entirely a thriller. There were thrilling moments. But to me, it was right. more mystery, adventure, maybe, than it was mm-hmm. thriller, horror.
0: Right. I could go thriller with the second half. Yeah. Because there's, you know, gunplay and everything like that.
2: Yeah, I do
0: have, I have another question about the time frame. So she starts talking in Freudian ways about transference and she's recording this whole thing. So it is a little bit around it's around Freud's time I think Freud died like in the 40s but I don't know how prevalent psychology was at that time that if people were actually believing in psychology that she could record these things I mean it seems like she has a very prominent practice when I was just wondering was really was psychology that mainstream by that time
1: yeah and that's what I was thinking too because Ben's like okay clearly this is set in like the 40s uh-huh. because of just the different easter eggs that you pick up on and things that are said and whatever but he's like how is she so freaking wealthy he's like that's how I knew she was going to be one of the hustlers the All minute right. that he comes into her practice and sees like the beautiful office she has and the leather couch uh-huh. and the huge fireplace and the crystal decanters like So that's when you know because, like you said, psychology and certain parts of medicine were very hush-hush and, like, taboo during that time.
0: Right, and she's the superstar psychologist.
1: Yeah, so she must have been swindling people a great deal to be as Mm -hmm. wealthy as she was. So that kind of led me to, like, thinking, okay, this is going to go somewhere. She's obviously a powerful person, and she's not male, which during that time period is, like – even more leaps and bounds unbelievable Mm -hmm. that she, you know, owns this successful business having to deal with psychology. Yeah. yeah, That is a good point. And I'm trying to think,
0: I like the wife a lot. Another character, I wanted to know more about her. I kind of, I saw her as a love interest and I got that. I understood why he was attracted to her. Right, Kind of. I mean... I didn't really know enough just that she was beautiful and I'm trying to think what else I would know about her and she seemed to be part of this whole carnival gang that knew how to manipulate people somewhat. Right. But I don't know what else I really knew about her except that she was against going too far in this whole thing.
1: Yeah, and I wish that they would have talked a little bit about Maybe like her as a child more. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, she was mixed up in this whole circus and carny act type thing. And she was actually one of the good people that wasn't trying to scheme people out of their wealth and riches or whatever. But like, I Mm -hmm. wish we would have maybe showed more about her as a child so you could see. Because like you said, you're full of all of these drifters and monstrous people and hustlers and people being hustled. But like with her, she was kind of like a happy neutral she wasn't doing a ton of hustling or being nefarious, but she also wasn't getting hustled because she was his love interest. So she knew the kind of life they were living and things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, how did she stay so gentle? Like, where did she come from? This like happy neutral that just worked for him as his love interest, you know?
0: Right. She's this little dreamy thing who hangs out at the carousel at night trying to find a better life for herself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like, why are you walking to the carousel every night? Like, what is going on in your life that you can do that at this time? Right. You know, in the 1940s, walking by yourself unaccompanied or whatever.
0: Right, yes. However, the thing I think that it's hard to even think about the beginning, the ending is extremely special in this movie. Yes. It's that end shot of him that it all makes perfect sense about him not belonging to any of this and who he really is and him almost he wants to punish himself. And it just seems really clear that he understands what he's getting into at the end And yet you almost think that, okay, I understand why he's doing this as crazy as it is.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the ending is the cherry on top for me. Sure, Mm -hmm. the cinematography is beautiful, the Art Deco motif, the costumes, you know, the suspense and the mystery. But when I got to the ending, I was like, oh, this ending yeah. made me so happy that I stuck it out and watched it. Because like you said, it's really captivating. It's a beautiful ending to the scene. It ties everything together, I feel like.
2: hmm
0: It definitely pays off. I agree.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. your top three favorite things about the movie, what were they?
0: Um, hmm. Well, as I mentioned before, he's just a – he's good at shots or maybe that's his dp but you know just shot after shot you see like it's just these little details little wallet little tiny things that he gives you the close-up but he gives you this amazing master shot too that's all well lit Mm -hmm. so yeah it's definitely a filmmaker that you feel like you're in good hands with the second thing I liked a lot the relationship between um, him and Kate Blanchett, Bradley Cooper. I thought that I wanted to see it go further because it seemed like the two of them were trying to figure out each other. I was like, huh, these two would probably be really good in a movie together.
1: Yeah, so, they did have good chemistry for sure.
0: Right. And... I actually enjoyed watching the whole circus life, and I enjoyed all the characters in the circus. There's always been something very special about that whole carny life that has interested me uh, behind the scenes of what's really happening. And it seemed to show that, and I don't know if it glorified it, but it was what I always imagined it, yet... I felt like I was getting a glance into that world that I didn't have somewhat. So those are three things I appreciated. What were your three things?
1: I also am a sucker for aesthetics. So the Mm -hmm. cinematography for me was huge. Like all the Mm -hmm. shots, like you said, you know, whether it was an up close detail shot or whatever i loved the lighting like when sin city first came out that movie back in the day to where you could see Mm -hmm. like the snowflakes falling you know and type like getting those little details and the really crisp clear shots i love Mm -hmm. that i think dramatic photography and cinematography can say so much more than 10 minutes of dialogue yeah Mm -hmm. I loved that the second thing I really loved was just the time period I am a sucker for like the 1900 to 1940s era so much was happening in the country in the world in medicine so I really loved the time period of Mm -hmm. the film and then my third thing it was just I I can't say it enough I loved the little Like pieces of symbolism, the red dress and the Mm -hmm. blood when she's wearing that emerald green get up, you know, when he's at that like club on stage with like just the microphone and he's in that suit, you know, and everybody's sitting at their tables with wine and he covers his eyes or puts his blindfold on, like seeing all those little details. I just mm-hmm. loved the costume and how they used the props and the wardrobe to like symbolize things that were happening or something that you didn't realize until 20 minutes later in the film. And you're like, ah, aha, now that makes sense. She was yeah. just wearing the red dress. And then we saw, you know, it's a much more muted palette. So I really enjoyed all of those. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Since you did talk about the time period so much, I have a question for you. I really couldn't resolve why they use World War II. It's nice to have it as a background. It's part of the movie. It's part of the times. But it seemed like I was supposed to understand something about how World War II ties into all this. And I wasn't sure what it was.
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure that out, too. And when I was talking to Ben about it, he was like, well, you know, in World War II, because of that going on so many men that were powerful at the time or who were coming from nothing, like they were all in question. And because World War II was such a big thing going on, how people act and portrayed themselves during that time became different. You know, like if people were here from, you know, Europe, they were being a certain way. And he's like, I, I guess it kind of is to remind you a more specific moment in time if you're like what time is this happening them referencing that but also that's really kind of when you saw that people really can be monstrous I guess yeah. you know during mm-hmm. World War One and World War II so I guess tying the men are, men are monsters kind of theme and reminding us about world war ii during the movie was kind of like helping to connect that like hey remember you got all this crazy stuff going on and keeping with that thinner monsters theme and right. carnival and circus type stuff but yeah i can't okay. really find a reason why they mentioned that either but ben thinks it was just to kind of remind us that like humans can be monsters too and actually and they're not that's... always who you think <clears throat>
2: mhm
0: That would bring up a great point, and that actually gets to the theme of it that I wasn't thinking about in terms of monsters, which ties into the whole film, because what you realize by the end, you think you're watching somebody who's figuring out his way, you know, may have lost his way a bit, but is a decent guy. But what you realize at the end is, I've been watching a monster all along, and I didn't Mm -hmm. realize it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because that's kind of where I went with the movie. I was like, oh, this guy's like crazy. Like, yes, we love Bradley Cooper and I love his character and there's times when you can feel sympathetic or empathetic for him, but at the end I knew he was a con man. So you know that either he's going to get what's coming around to him or he's going to rise above and completely do the unthinkable and maybe make a turn for, you know, the better. So the World War II and then the doctor, I can't remember, but the doctor that he goes and sees, who's like the prominent doctor, kind of felt a little bit German as well, you know, to me. And he was kind mm-hmm. of an evil guy. So, yeah. Yeah, the whole monsters and men thing, I think it did work really well for just mm-hmm. like the overall theme.
0: Especially because at the end, you start reviewing all the events that took place that you weren't really sure what happened. And you're like, oh, okay, he is this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And let's end it on our Mm -hmm. three least things, least liked things about it, and if we think people should watch it or not.
2: Okay.
0: Well, as discussed, number one, the characters Weren't well developed except for Bradley Cooper's character and even him. I could have used a little more on, but that being said, they were all wonderfully played and powerful performances. The second least favorite thing was just the slowness of the first part. It was hard to watch and, I wouldn't even recommend it for anyone if it was just that first part. I'd say, you know, it's just a meh movie. There's really nothing happening. It's somewhat interesting. So I would not recommend it if I just saw that first part. The third. um, I don't know if I have, I might've had a third earlier, but I can't think because it was really those two things over and over again that hit me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think those are my top two. And I would say that maybe the third one, so obviously the character building wasn't very even, right? We -hmm. learned a lot about Bradley Cooper's character and a smidge of everything else. So I agree with you there. The character building or the storytelling of those characters definitely could have been improved upon. The slowness in the beginning, yes. And I would say... My third thing, I wish that they would have, I don't know, maybe like we were talking about earlier, bring the plot sooner into the beginning. Because even if the beginning had gone as slow as it was mm-hmm. and you recognized the alcohol and the symbolism of that and that that's right. kind of the backbone of his character and his story and how he's struggling. I think if we would have known that a lot sooner, then things would have made sense quicker during the slow parts. So right. um, I would say that would be my my three things that I disliked the most about the film. But overall, it is a good film. If you love mystery thriller and you're a general uh-huh. Del Toro big fan like I am, I mean the, it's a must watch. You just gotta watch it and hang in because the ending makes it worth it.
0: <laughs> yep. And to be honest, you know, in the past couple of years there's so much crap out there in terms of movies that this is a good film it's a good film and yeah you don't find a lot of them
1: yeah it's visually stunning the story is good <laughs> there's a lot of symbolism in it the time period was I think portrayed correctly with you know wardrobe and relationships between all the different characters and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think overall it was just a really visually stunning film that if you just stick through it, you will be so surprised and so glad you did. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. I think Rotten Tomatoes had it 80%. I'd give, That's exactly yeah. what I would give it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Me too. Well, it has been so much fun having you on the podcast to review this film. We'll have to do it again for a couple more. My goal is to get through all of the Oscar nominees for Best Picture because the Oscars mm-hmm. are coming up in March. So, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, Uncle Ron.
0: Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. I'd love, love to do it again. I could Yay! go on for hours.
1: Me too. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Stay tuned for next time. Bye.
2: The mushroom is sure. So the can you have <inaudible>